Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Mixed Company Podcast. You've got Kai here. You got Simeon. And it's been a while. We've been busy. It's 2020. That's 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 my justification for everything. <laughs> <laughs> where, talk- where you guys been? It's 2020. It's 2020. First of all, what is time? And second of all, like, what does that even what is, mean? What is time? What is structure? What is the concept of of days? What is what is a weekday? What is like, a work day? All of that shit is out the window. All of it. Like at this point, you're just lucky that I showed up. Like the right. fact that I the fact that I made it to October in itself is a gift. The fucking fact that we are in October is wild crazy. But also the fact that we're only in October is equally as mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> like at the same time, it's just it's just a lot to handle. But yeah. either way, we've made it back to you guys. We're here for more conversation. Um, yes. Today's episode is just me and Sim, uh, which you guys haven't had in a while. And a lot has happened. Um, a lot has happened since August. Uh, I know we still we still owe you guys uh, an episode uh, that may or may not be out by the time you hear this. Um, yes, we do. Uh, uh, the world has has many things have happened in the world. Many things have happened in advertising, um, and we needed to connect with you guys since we since yes. we last spoke. So let's do this, Sim. Let's go ahead and kick off with some dope shit and some ain't shit um i'll let you i'll let you attack this first yeah so we took the summer a break (laughs) without even planning it but you know life happens uh so this happened during the summer uh but my dope shit is jasmine lawson slash netflix uh and she is the editorial lead for strong um strong black lead um, and over the summer, Netflix dug into the crates and revived a bunch of black shows from the 90s and the 2000s. The shows like Moesha, uh, The Parkers, One on One, Girlfriends. And the reason why it's dope shit is uh, a few reasons. One, I feel like this is what it looks like when you actually hire people to uh, bring their perspective and bring their hire black people specifically. Uh, to bring perspective and insights and and their expertise to the to your company, uh, and you get to see what it looks like when they when they do that. So, she was the one who spearheaded them licensing these shows, and she basically gave the people what they wanted <laughs> because we've been asking to to see these shows, or the black community has been acting to see these shows that kind of just like disappeared into the ether. Uh, unless you have BET and watch BET, which um, I don't. Uh, so shout out to her, shout out to Netflix. I think this is extremely dope. As I take a little break from work, I am able to catch up on shows that shaped my childhood and teenage years and, and right. gave me insight and to see other versions of Blackness outside of what was in my uh, immediate life. So shout out to her. Shout out to to what she does at Netflix. Uh, I hope they pay her a lot of money. I hope she gets all the promotions. Um, what she's doing and, and the voice that she gives to Strong Black Lead is is definitely one of the things I look forward to on this shitty ass internet that we're streaming over right now. <laughs> yeah, no, the the internet has been shitty these days, and I'm not even just talking content like. I know we went in on Teddy Riley earlier in the year, but at this point, the way the the interwebs have been throttling, Listen. I feel like everybody has Teddy Riley Wi-Fi <laughs> these days. <laughs> it is pretty That's shitty. Good. Al Gore tried to try to prepare us, but you know. It's, people way, don't listen. The way the world works. The way the world works. No, no. Strong Black League has been amazing. I must say, Mo- Moesha did not age well for me um so that was really nice to see how how much i have changed in my opinions about the world and the way the world should work but also i'm not 16 anymore so maybe maybe you know there's a lesson in watching shows like that uh girlfriends however is more relevant than ever uh i've never been able to identify with anyone the way i identify with 
uh, Joan, Maya, Lynn, Tony, and William, uh, all of them. <laughs> uh, I see a piece of myself. So it has been quite a journey making my way through these eight seasons of Girlfriends. Um, but also in addition to Strong Black Lead, um, I've definitely been paying attention, a lot of attention to uh, Con Todo Netflix, uh, which is um, Netflix's Spanish, uh, excuse me, Latinx and Hispanic platform um, that focuses on uh, the Lat Latino culture uh, in Netflix. Um, and so it's been nice to see the, the varied representation of Latinos on uh, Con Todo. Uh, as equally as Strong Black Lead, um, and also seeing the crossover between the two platforms. So yeah. for example, you know, on Contodo, they also have spotlighted Merlin Santana, rest in peace, um, who is, who was Dominican. Um, so you, you know, you can see him on Moesha, um, also getting shouted out on Strong Black Lead, but you see him again on Contodo as well as uh, Ray, Raven Gomez and other uh, uh, Afro-Latinos uh, within the, the business of Hollywood. Um, and so Netflix as a whole, like as, as, as shitty as it was for that one, whatever that one show was with the little girls that they had out here shaking- Oh, cuties. Cuties, shaking their little tails and being inappropriate. Um, I, I, I can at least say with Netflix, as many really shitty pieces of representation that, may, that they may have, they have equally double strong or, or double the amount of strong pieces of content that are representative of the people who quite frankly, quite, quite frankly, pay into their membership. Um, I see myself, I see my family members, I see my friends and all of the content that I can find on Netflix. And, the, you know, if anybody asks who's doing it right, they're doing the representation of culture, right? I don't know what it's like to work for Netflix. I have not heard anybody talk about how racist they are. So good for them for at least not get letting the cat out the bag. Um, but representation wise, like at least, at least when I turn on Netflix, I know I'm gonna be able to find something good. Uh, whether it's in English, Spanish, Spanglish or other, like they definitely have it. So shout yeah. out to them. And that's such a great point too, just, you know, highlighting the fact that the the content that they stream is just across the diaspora uh for me personally in addition to the you know the shows that that were on upn and cw back in the 90s and early 2000s they have like a, a good range of content from from the continent of africa that you know for me yeah, being of nigerian descent um i'm able to get a little bit of a niger fix every, every once in a while uh so shout out to them for just like listening and and giving people what they want giving they the people really, what they want yeah giving i think they do a really good job of of a representation that feels authentic even if it's you know capitalism and thereby getting this bread um but i feel seen and i don't feel like i'm throwing away my money every month a hundred percent. So that's good. Um, I will go with my own dope shit. Um, I was good. Well, actually I'll go with the dope shit that I was going to do. And then Sim, you brought up something that I think we should share. So the dope shit that I was going to share is Naja Balan White, um, who had uh, previously been with the Ogilvy Unilever team, um, has now shifted over to the Vice Media Group. Um, and I just want to obviously give a shout out to Naja. She is one of the most um, impactful and, and amazing women, uh, primarily women of color, specifically a black woman within advertising. She's been killing the game for years, um, but also um, congratulations to Vice. Like Vice is really, as far as their roster of, of powerhouse marketers and advertisers and content makers go, they are doing it. You definitely see at the Vice Group, you see representation representation of the trans community, you see representation of the Black community, you see representation of many communities within their roster of, um, of, of employees um, and contributors. And it's so interesting to me how, you know, we're, we're, uh, we saw Wells Fargo the other day talking about, well, we can't find no Black people to hire. 
well, Vice is out here not only hiring Black people, but hiring all kinds of people. Right. So if Wells Fargo is having any trouble and wants to know where to go in the direction for professionals uh, who can help them with marketing, representation, communications, I feel like, and at this point, maybe everyone just needs to take a look at what Vice Media is doing. And yeah. and honestly, what they're doing is taking, they're taking a page out of entertainment's book and going for the people who may not necessarily traditionally fit the role, who but, but who can do the job. Um, so shout out to Crystal Walters, who's over there. Um, shout out to Naja, shout out to the whole family. Um, you guys are just, you know, amazing. Like I, I like to see, I'd like to walk into a boardroom one day that looks like something I'm like the world, but like something I've never seen. Like I'd like mm. to walk into, I'd like to go to sit down at a boardroom table and feel like I'm at the cool kids table with mm. like the coolest people in the entire business, just doing what they came to do. Like, I want to feel like I'm at home doing cool shit. Um, and I definitely see that vice has been, Vice has been doing that. That's what's up. Um, you mentioned something uh, briefly. Yeah, on notable ain't shit is Wells Fargo for that comment. I know they tried to backtrack it, but you said it and words mean things. Words so. mean things, guys. <laughs> uh, words you, always mean things from the moment it leaves your lips. Like it yes. meant something. So that is an honorary. I'm not going to give it much time, but yeah, that was an ain't shit comment, especially for the year 2020 uh, in the midst of another racial reckoning that you fix your face to say that you don't know where to find black talent. Ask Spice, Ask Spice, Ask Jeannie Gernani. That's also one of their, I believe, executive creative directors over um, at Virtue under mm -hmm. Vice. Like they're just, they just really have cool people. Like I, I, I almost want to know like, what's it like to be on their zoom calls <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's that's what i want to see so so shout out to them um the other thing that I, i'd like to plug um it is my latest blog post um called it's not what you think um the culture is implied culture it's not what you think i might go ahead and update that uh but it kind of takes a look at my perspective on what is what what parts of the conversation about culture and inclusion that i think we are missing here uh, in the advertising industry. Um, I kind of zero in on the fact that, uh, which we'll actually get to in the show today, but mm. I zero in on the fact that there's a lot of y'all, there's a lot of y'all, mm. there's a lot yes. of you that are Football out here talent. on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all the things talking about how nothing is being done in advertising. And, you know, one of the things that we've been very careful to do on this show is actually be specific about naming our problems. Yeah. And if I think if, you know, if we're, if we're specific and we're explicit with what's going on, it's not that nothing is being done. And so I'd like to, for us in, in, in this fight for inclusion to get to get beyond the point of saying, well, nobody's doing anything. No, everybody is doing something. They're just not doing the right things. Right. And I think that it is really important for us to name those challenges. And in, in addition to naming our challenges, it's even more important for us to, to use our words because words mean things. Mm -hmm. And so this concept of mixing culture and inclusion and using them as synonyms when they are absolutely not is is really not helping our cause um and yeah. so i go through defining what culture is uh in the perspective of the workplace and, and in the work i go through and i define what diversity is and what inclusion is and give examples i also talk about what we are doing and what we're not doing and why it won't work um so if you haven't had a chance to read that article yet definitely take a look um it just gives a, a little bit more detailed perspective because I'm not gonna sit here and say that money isn't being spent and people aren't doing things, mm -hmm. but the things that we're doing aren't working. And so right. I've, 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 I've called those out. Yeah, uh, and I told you before we got on, got started recording, I think it's necessary reading and I tweeted it um, from the Axmas company Twitter handle. Um, the, the thing that I think, and you, and you pointed out that they're not synonyms is people really need to understand what culture is. And the interesting thing about culture is that even if you are 
criticizing it, your critique becomes a part of the culture that is that is being formed. So you should be mindful of your words and your actions, even if you feel like you're not in a position of power, um, so that you're not adding to the problem at hand and that you're actually bringing something to the table. I think the, the most in interesting thing about being in advertising, I know everybody likes to throw around the word um, that we're all creatives. I don't agree. I think that everybody's here should be a strategist. That is the the core of our roles within this industry is that we are here to solve problems. And so I think you provided a really good insight for people who want to be a part of the solution. Um, as they're talking about solutions, they should definitely be aware of what the difference between culture and diversity and inclusion are. Um, and so definitely go read it. It's critical reading. Uh, you can find it on this Twitter. You can uh, mylifeofkai.com. Um, it's the first one up there. Go do it. Don't say stupid things. Don't say stupid well. things. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so we're gonna do something that we haven't done in a while. I think we're gonna just try to incorporate this back into the show. Um, so when we started the show way back when, four years ago, uh, we had this concept of listener letters, um, but y'all don't come to us uh, in our inboxes for support. Y'all like to pull us up on the streets when the streets were open or call us on the phone and text us. Um, and that's just, that's just not how this goes, guys. Um, so rather than to change behavior, because uh, we don't have time for that right now, what we're going to do is we're actually going to start pulling some of our favorite pieces off of Fishbowl. Um, so some of our favorite questions off of Fishbowl and answer those on the show as that's what we've been doing anyway. Um, yes. So we'll dive into, we'll call these, we'll, we'll call this segment Gone Fishing. So we're gonna, like yeah, like right? We're, we've, we're, like gonna, we're gonna go fishing. So on this, uh, on this uh, segment of Gone Fishing, uh, there is a question on Fishbowl um, from an associate art director who says, uh, mid, mid or senior level creatives who started as juniors, uh, did you work nights, weekends, often as a junior? And do you feel like the hard work paid off and got you into the position you're, you're, you are in now? I'm having a hard time setting work-life work boundaries and sticking to them because I'm afraid I will be replaced by another junior who was willing to work harder. But I also don't want to set a bad precedent for myself that will carry into my career later uh, and cause burnout. Thoughts and advice. Yeah. Um, one, shout out to you for being cognizant of the bullshit this early <laughs> in your career. Um, and I, I like this question because I was one of those people who thought that long hours and working weekends translated into promotion and opportunities when I switched over from media to advertising. And I quickly learned that that was not the case. Um, it is the, to your point, the quickest way to burn out. Um, because if you are working 16, I, I remember one time I literally slept in the fucking office um to make it to a client meeting the next the next morning and one of the things that i noticed during that period was i had these really um high expectations that my my uh dedication in quotation marks to the process would translate into a promotion and i quickly realized that that was not the fucking case um and so I would say to steer clear of that, uh, one of the things that I realized once I realized that I was burnt, burnt out, um, because do you remember when my legs stopped working? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that was, that was, that was, that was the moment, right? Where it was literally like my blood pressure got to the point where like my leg was numb for like a week. Um, what I, what I did in that moment was go to my supervisor and actually ask questions, right? Because we're in a space where our actions should have a reaction. And if they're not getting the reaction that you want, then you need to speak to the people who control those reactions. And I think a lot of times when we, when we speak about these issues, we speak in general um, when we need to point out the, like this isn't mother nature. Like these are people who are making decisions. So the decision on whether or not you're gonna get a promotion or get more opportunities is usually determined by your manager. So at the point that you are deciding, I'm going to work these late hours, I'm going to put in all this extra work, you need to be talking to your manager and asking them, 
what do you need to get to the next level? And this is part of, this is one of the, the, the big critiques that we've had on the show is that people don't know how to manage. They don't know how to create development plans or professional plans for the people that they're managing. And so a lot of people go through these cycles of, I'm gonna go extremely hard, I'm gonna put in all of this work and they end up with nothing at the end. So I would strongly advise anybody who's considering working crazy ass hours for the sake of working crazy ass hours that people are going to respect the fact that you put in five more hours than they do to not do that shit. The, the thing that you need to be doing is having very detailed conversations with your manager about your professional development. What are the things that you need to learn? What are the things that you need to be doing that they, would, that they will measure against you when they are considering you for a promotion? Because anything that you're, that you're assuming will happen and leaving up to chance, chances are it's not going to pan out. So if you are doing an action for a very specific reaction, which is I want a promotion, I want to work on this client, then you need to clarify your, your plan with the people that manage your career in that moment. Because expecting people who are not taught how to manage to manage you in a way that is efficient and, and progressive and beneficial to your career is, I don't wanna say asinine, but probably futile. And that's the reason why a lot of people get burnt out and leave this industry is because their hard work doesn't pan out into results. A hundred percent. I will say, I know it's hard. Um, and no, I wasn't necessarily a creative, but I definitely was a project manager uh, as in my junior level, which means that I worked side by side and late nights with all of you. Um, I second everything Simeon said. The only thing that I would add to this um, is that I did, I do think, I do think there's a piece of you that does have to learn responsibility. I think that that is definitely something that comes out of the late nights, the dedication, uh, the, the testing of your endurance for this business comes out of that. Um, but I will say, similarly to what Simeon said, I would adjust your expectations and the expectation that because you had a doctor's appointment, but you didn't go to the doctor's appointment because you wanted to show that you were dedicated to the work is not going to lead you to a promotion. I want you to understand that it is illegal for you to be replaced by someone um, for, for, for prioritizing your mental health. Um, where boundaries come into play um, is, it's not just you setting the boundaries. It's that it's also, and I'm not saying this works 100% of the time. There's also a responsibility on your side to to communicate these boundaries ahead of time. So if you know that you gotta leave early or that you're not trying to work till midnight, it might mean that you need to get your ass into the office earlier. And I I strongly recommend that people start to do that. It's not about you coming in at nine or ten and saying, I have to leave at five, you may need to get there at seven or eight. It's about figuring out what works for you, what works for your team, because it is a team. Now, what I will say, your question is, do I feel like that hard work paid off and got me to the position I'm in now? Um, I will say that that hard work and that that frustration led to us creating this podcast, with, which, which <laughs> led me to the position I'm in now. Um, but that it's not about it's the issue isn't working late the issue is more about this concept of not being able to prioritize your mental health and your physical health for the sake of the work and the goal isn't to learn how to not sleep the goal should be to learn how to collaborate with your team in a way that is scalable but also safe to you yeah. That is really hard when you're a junior and sometimes it looks like working till 3 a.m. And sometimes it looks like saying, hey, y'all, I can't I can't do it tonight. I need to take it from home. Um, but there's got to be somebody that you can figure that out with, whether it's your manager, um, if it's not your manager or your supervisor, hope maybe somebody else within your team that's been there. Ask other people how they've been able to navigate it. 
um, because never sleep this whole, yeah, I only got two hours of sleep this week. That's not cute. And that's how y'all be getting wrinkles and looking crazy. Don't do that to yourself. I, I remember there was a there was a comment that I heard early in my career that uh, we work um, something like uh, nine nine until faint or, or or some shit like that. Uh, these these things these these uh, these actions or these beliefs are what make up culture. And so as you are navigating through your career, whether you decide to leave that place or not, because that is a part of the culture where people are working extremely long hours and not um, being rewarded for it, uh, make sure these are the types of things that you ask in your next interview, because you you wanna make sure that if there if there is a culture and this is advertising and sometimes we end up working late because of a client ask, or I'm sure a lot of people are ending up working late during during the pandemic because shit is just constantly changing. But if if you are working late and that isn't being recognized, where, you know, some people, I remember at one agency that I worked where it was like, if you work the weekend, then you're gonna get two days off the next week. So those, those are the types of things that you wanna start asking um, as you are moving forward in your career. I know you're just an associate, um, at this at this moment, but as you as you progress, you want to make sure that you're interviewing about culture as your as well as the clients and you know other procedures that you'll be working on. Awesome, great. So that's it for we did some dope shit and some ain't shit. We went fishing, and now it's time to talk about pretty much the things that we need to talk about. Um, so first things first, uh, as we move into our hot topics, we've got two for today. Um, our first one is going to be about the DNI ban that y'all's president went ahead and put into effect for federal contracts, um, and the other is going to be around what uh, my podcast mates and I have have affectionately referred to as solutions venting since we started this show. Um, and and honestly, what does what does productive conversation look like? Um, so let's start with the DNI ban. So just to give you guys a heads up. Um, y'all's president, y'all's commander in chief, y'all's man that's just out here trying to kill us all, um, basically went ahead and signed an executive order on certain trainings about race for federal contractors and expanded it earlier in September to this to this ban being also on federal employees. So this affects this obviously affects those of us working in advertising specifically uh, if you work on any government contracts. So if you work for, um, if you do any work for any of the federal agencies, if you do any work for the military, if you do any work for anything that has to do with the government and, and the federal government, you are not allowed to bring your di diversive, diversity and inclusive conversations into those contracts. The, um, the uh, consequence for not following these guidelines means that you, your contract will be terminated. So similarly to what we've been saying for freaking ever in uh, on this show is, you know, if you really want to get people to stop doing it, you, doing something, you got to start fucking with their money. Um, and that's what the president did. He's out here fucking with folks' money. Um, you wanna you wanna stop you wanna you wanna work on any get any of this government work money or work on any of these government contracts um, you you better 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 stop promoting your uh, any conversations around structural racism or sexism um, basically he announced that uh, Trump announced that he has efforts uh, underway to promote patriotic education and rallied. Uh, again, students learning about systemic racism. Um, I'll read his tweet uh, because you know the internet keeps these things forever and this, this is what your children are gonna be talking about 10 years from now when they wonder, mom and dad, why why in the world did, did you know, why did, the, why did the United States just go straight to shit? And here's why. <laughs> You'll say, sweetie, it's because Donald J. Trump on September 22nd of the fateful year uh, of 2020 said, a few weeks ago, I banned efforts to indoctrinate government employees with divisive and harmful sex and race-based ideologies. 
Today, I've expanded that band to people and companies that do business with our country, the United States military, government contractors, and guarantees. Americans should be, should be taught to take pride in our great country. And if you don't, there's nothing in it for you. So, Simeon, this this affects everything. This man is just a straight yes. up hater. Like, and like, it's a different kind of hate because like, this don't even have nothing to do with you. Why is this the thing? Well, like a, a few things come to mind uh, when he started tweeting uh, with his Twitter fingers. Um, one is, I love that this happened because a part of what I've been saying to people over the last couple of years is that everybody doesn't want diversity, <laughs> okay? And so to think that everybody in your agency to Kai's point about culture is aligned with the values of diversity and inclusion and equity is crazy. Um, the, the struggle for, for power and, and supremacy in these corporate spaces is, is why this dude is saying what he's saying. Um, and so like when, when, we, when we decided we were gonna talk about this, I did a little um, digging into how we got here because we know he's not that bright. Um, and so one of the things that set him off was some research that was done by this dude Christopher Afrufo, who was looking into government contracts uh, because somebody alerted him that there was a, uh, the, I believe it's the Sandia National Laboratories that designs the nuclear weapons, uh, made their white male executives undergo a mandatory training called White Men's Caucus on eliminating racism, sexism, and homophobia, homophobia in organizations. And they, <laughs> I don't know why this is funny, but they made them write apology letters um, that they didn't send anywhere, but they basically just made them write these apology letters. So I went to go research, like, who would make them do this? And it's the irony of it is it's a diversity company that is, their name is WF, WMFDP, which stands for White Men as Full Diversity Partners. So it's 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 crazy that the the people who are spearheading this training that is uh pissing the president off are white men uh he and i mean also the other thing too is that uh he's also pissed off at six, the 1619 project which was uh created by nicole hannah jones so shout you know, out to although, nicole Shout yeah, out to also, Nicole for continuing to, to to piss off, piss off the man. Listen, <laughs> like the 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 battle that we're in right now, and stay all of that to say, the battle that we're in right now is is to is to main, is that this man and his friends want to maintain white supremacy, right? And it's not just white white supremacy, but it's white male supremacy. The idea that. Um, you don't want men who have been historically in power to maintain their power in, in the toxic way that they've maintained their power uh, over the last couple of centuries. Like this, this is what they're battling for. And so as we, you know, continue the show, as we go, you know, promote uh, strategies for diversity and inclusion and equity, like these are the things that we have to be mindful of. Like we're, we're not just dealing with people who want change like they don't want change part of the you know the whole keep america and we don't talk about politics on the show a lot but part of the the idea of keeping america great is no change we liked it the way that it was we liked the 60s we liked predominantly white companies and anything that threatens that is a problem to these people right and i think i think even beyond that so here's here's a bigger challenge i see right i think uh, I, I, I too think that this is an interesting challenge about diversity trainings. The fact that we've put, and, and not for the same reason, obviously, that this man sees that it's a, a challenge. They are clearly saying that anything to do with promoting a more inclusive um, understanding of what America means and who America is, is not okay. Fine, I get that. However, we as an industry, similar to, similarly to what we discussed uh, back in August, have got to stop relying on these trainings to 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 make change. Yeah. 
yeah. educating people about their bias is not changing people's mm-hmm. bias. It's just not. All we're doing is letting is giving people language to identify the things that they've always felt. Yes. And while yes, I believe it could work. I don't actually think that that is the work, similarly to what I spoke about in the the article I wrote. And so I think that this becomes a challenge and a a, a direct challenge to our industry and inclusion leaders and inclusion advocates within our industry to take a step back and look at, well, what else are we doing? Your diversity training, if, if you work on the Army, the Navy, the Marines, the whoever, your diversity training isn't what's going to impact the work. Who you hire and who you promote and how you set up the tools to do that work is what's going to impact the work. Yeah. And so I think that this becomes an opportunity. I'm not saying that this man has done anything good for for culture in this com- country, but I am saying that he is making us he is making us get on our toes. He yeah. is making us think harder. And that this becomes an opportunity for us to do that. The DNI, the diversity and inclusion trainings, and the a ban on racial sensitivity trainings, you know, it's if anything, this should make you go harder to figure out how do you actually cre- create behavioral change. How do you make it more expensive for people to not be racially sensitive? How do we make it more impactful for people? to uh, be more considerate of their consumers before they start to market to them. Those are, those are things that I think that that, that forces us to do. Yeah. Um, I also think too, like the, the page that we should take from Trump's book is when you want something to change, you have to create policy for it. You have to create structures because the, with, without introducing new systems, systematic issues don't change right so that's what he's doing like he says right. he created he, he, he created additional policy to yes. double down on his non uh, uh on his du jour racism right yes. he's created additional policy to double down on it so now it's it's no longer it's no longer that it's it's de facto yeah. this is actual point blank we don't get for a man to say anything that we shouldn't be talking about gender uh, sensitivity, that re- keep in mind, this is the same man that likes to grab women by their pussies. So if, the, I mean, I don't know was, what y'all expected. Right, that was legal at one point. So like, I don't know what, what anybody was expecting. I don't know who's really out here losing their minds. I heard that there are a couple uh, uh, organizations out here trying to to really push back on it. Fine, push back on it or challenge yourselves to find a better way, a more impactful way to do this work. And if we can keep it 100 with each other, as we really try to do often, your trainings aren't it. They aren't. They really just aren't. But I I, I will say I will say this, though, the trainings. And, and you and you you made a good point about it giving you the language to giving people the language to to articulate what it is that they've been feeling. Um, one of the things that I will say is like when when I think about why these trainings could be essential in those spaces is because the people who are receiving them are people who create policies. These are people who create programs. And so when we think about what they're what these trainings are highlighting and the spaces that they're highlighting them in, when you're talking about financial institutions, these are also the institutions that were lobbying for redlining and things of that nature that were, um, that helped to oppress and keep uh, people of color marginalized. And so there, there is some, some benefit to creating, um, uh, to having these trainings exist in spaces where there are people who are making decisions because if you're making decisions for the masses and you are not cognizant, you are not empathetic, you do not have sensitivity to racial issues, then the policies and the programs that you create can that you think are being beneficial or benefit just a few end up oppressing more people. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I agree. I don't know that I agree. And I'll tell what well, I'll tell you why. You have to let mm-hmm. me tell you why first yeah, before sure. you have a response. 
I'll tell you because we've been doing these trainings, these same people that have been in these roles with the exception for chief marketing officers who tend to uh, uh, rotate out of their roles yeah. every five years, they've been doing these trainings since like the nineties. Yeah. So I don't know that the trainings are it. You right. either are empathetic at this point or you're not. Right. And this is why for me, if you're not making policies that create space for there to be more inclusive environments, you're not the right person for that role. So I actually think it goes beyond that. Um, Yeah, I I agree because it's, I think for, I think, yeah, you're right. Because if you don't have empathy, if you weren't thinking about how you are part of the problem, then you don't give a fuck about these trainings. And we're going to talk a little bit later about what, I mean, ultimately Trump's response is to the trainings, right? He does not have empathy. And so they serve no purpose, but for some people, I think they have, it has allowed them to, to open up their understanding of how their actions, whether explicitly or implicit or implicitly affect and marginalize and oppress people. So I think it's, it's it's a little bit of both. I think part of what I know, what we know is the issue is that we're relying only on the trainings and the trainings by themselves do not have the impact that people expect them to have. They think that if you go through a day or a couple of days of training, that all of the things that you've been doing your entire life will just evaporate into thin air and you're all of a sudden a good person. And I remember at one of the agencies that I worked at when I confronted my boss about his his practices, his response was, well, I can't be racist. I've gone to diversity training. So I think, you know, to your point, they're relying only on training is futile. That has not worked. It needs to be training and something else. And that something else needs to be policies and systems and programs that are put in place to ensure that those biases and those those harmful practices are not a part of the culture that they're trying to establish. Sure. Well, I think that's a good time for us to go ahead and transition into the next hot topic, uh, which specifically is on something that we've been championing for ourselves on the podcast um, since our inception. Um, And that is this concept of solution venting. So I mentioned, I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of folk, child, it's a lot, a lot (laughs) of people on these internets that are out here telling people about themselves, dropping the mic and running away. And I am going to be actually very, uh, I'm going to stand firm in this context of dropping the mic and running away because guys, First of all, there's two things. In the words of Chris Brown, who I don't, I don't actually, uh, I don't know, quote <laughs> frequently. I mean, it's not much to quote. <laughs> but he, he, you know, he had a very impact, important line in one of his songs, like a decade ago, where he says, "How you gonna hate from outside of the club? Yes, when you can't even get in." Yeah. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's a couple of things, right? There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who look at the industry based on what they see in the trades mm-hmm. and they judge what's happening in the agencies based on what they see in the trades. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think that is a not fair thing to do, I will say this concept of just telling people they not shit based on something that you read and not giving people and not actually doing the work to figure out what is happening on the inside is not helpful. What's also not helpful is sharing your gripes without giving solutions. And if I'm going to be honest with you, a solution, a solution actually has to be practical and tactical. Yes. And if you can't give a solution, shut the fuck up like for real for real because kind of like and i i think what what we what we did with solution venting so our concept of solution venting is this say what the hell you want speak your piece state your name gangster say what's on your chest get it off but also you got to tell people what you want 
Right. So this idea that we like need you need, need to ask. ask. So this idea that's like an advertising, like advertising is not doing nothing in diversity and inclusion. Advertising is doing a lot. You know what they're doing a lot of? These damn trainings y'all keep suggesting that they take. Yeah. These damn trainings is what advertising is doing. And these damn trainings aren't doing nothing but educating people to realize, hey, you're right, I guess I do have some biases. These trainings aren't telling you what to do with those biases, how not to, how those biases shouldn't, uh, what you can do to make sure they don't impact your work. They're not talking about anything of that caliber. They're, what, what you're not talking about is, you know, what a lot of these people aren't doing is saying, hey, I haven't been in an advertising agency in years. This is just my experience. Yeah. What you're not saying is what I wish I would have had in these moments is this. And again, it's not your job to fix it. It's not your job to fix it. You're right. But if it's not your job to fix it, I think that it needs to be clear who is out here just here to talk. Because it's a lot of folk that are just out here to talk. And I know we call it be cr critiquing, but critique and accountability those are active things. Yes. You actually have to be involved in the solution if you're going to hold people accountable. Holding people accountable, hold, me holding Simeon accountable is not me saying, Simeon, you're not shit. Me holding Simeon accountable is me saying, <laughs> Simeon, you're really not shit for this thing you did today. Here's how you should have done it better. Let me tell you exactly what you should have done. And then following up to say, hey, did you do that thing I told you? Not, this man, this, this man don't do nothing. He's so lazy, he just sit here and walk away. And I feel like I'm tired of seeing that. And while I'm equally tired of ineffective inclusion teams, ineffective inclusion people, I'm not here for people to just draw upon perspective that they haven't experienced and calling it fact. I know there's a lot, I mean, fuck it, we talked about it. There's a lot of people who are are, are talking about ad color, who are talking about Tiffany R. Warren and talking about Tiffany R. Warren didn't change anything for diversity and inclusion and advertising. And my perspective on that is, well, what didn't she change? Mm -hmm. A, what didn't she change? She didn't change, you know, who got hired and she didn't change the numbers for an entire industry. So we're saying this one woman, this one black woman did not change the numbers for an entire industry. And so therefore it is her fault. And then to turn around, it's a whole bunch of folks turn around talking about, but happy you're out here and you're, 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 you're giving people awards. So what black people don't deserve awards like that. That part is crazy to me. Instead of saying, Hey, we have this ad color thing that's cool and all, but who's who's doing what about making sure people get jobs and making sure people get promotions? Mm -hmm. No one's asking that question. Instead, you're throwing it on, on her. And I think that's where it becomes unfair. Where it's also unfair is a lot of these folks that have all this shit to say aren't doing anything either. Yes. You're not doing anything either. <laughs> you are on all the social medias saying what you got to say, but I haven't seen any of you in the trades or in the agencies doing anything yourselves. And so from that perspective, that's where I also lose respect. What we want on that, what we try to do on this show and what we do in our individual careers as Simeon and as Kai is to actively be those people who say, cool, let me get my hands dirty. Let me make sure that I've done my part. I can't hold you accountable if I'm not doing my part. And my part is not to tell you you're not doing your part. My part is to make sure my part is taken care of and to make sure that I call out where the gaps are and follow up to make sure that they're being done. Yeah. There's a lot I want to um, address. I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier on the show that if you're in this industry, um, your the core of your essence is to be a strategist. Uh, I'm just going to start with the Tiffany Warren thing, right? So when when I assess ad color, and just to be clear, like ad color has not escaped the smoke that we've we've given on, on the show. Um, I think nobody is is beyond the idea of critique. But when I assess ad color and Tiffany R. Warren as the creator, as the creator of a solution, which is ad color, what I see is somebody who identified a problem. And par part of the problem is 
we know that in this industry of, of a, circle, a circle jerk, to be right, quite frank, um, people who ascend to the highest ranks in this industry have won awards. It is very telling when somebody gets a promotion and their, their, their promotion is in the trades, they are an award-winning strategist. They are an award-winning creative person. The, the, the uh, discrepancies in awards that people of color were getting within this industry were quite frankly fucked up. And so a platform was created to address the discrepancies and in recognition within this industry. The amount of people, the amount of black people that were winning can awards or one show awards were not representative of the amount of black people that were in the industry. And so she created a platform that would address that. So when people say that it's, you know, ad color isn't a, a solution that's gotten people more jobs, I would probably disagree. It probably didn't get a bunch of juniors jobs because the 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 solution wasn't to bring more people in. The solution was to recognize the people that were here so that when idiots like uh, Wells Fargo say, we don't know where to find people to sit at certain tables. You have you a whole sit, list of people you have to a say, whole list of people. Well, what's up with these people? Yes, exactly. So when, when people say, oh, we don't know where to find CDOs, we don't know where to find managers, you can then go and look through ad colors, 10, 11 year of, of, of recognition and go, we need to identify some creatives. We need to identify some account people. And with futures, that, that list opens up. So yep. from our perspective, the people that we know that have gotten ad color awards, their career trajectory changes because now they're on a stage that we're, we're hiring managers and people who are looking for diverse talent can go and find these people. So I would say that the critique that it doesn't, it hasn't affected change is, is bullshit. The next thing I would say too, you, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of people are um, hating from outside of the club. I think it's yes, but I also think that there are people who are, who are assessing the entire industry from their own singular experience, which is which is not effective. And I'll bring myself into into the equation. You know, there there's that James Baldwin quote where he talks about to be to be black and relatively conscious in America is to be, to in, be a in a constant state, state, of rage. state of rage. And at the beginning of my career, and I talk about the shit on the show all the time, like growing up with non-American parents, not having uh, cultural context for how race affects pretty much every aspect of life, that those um, initial experiences set me off. And I remember there was a moment where um, Nisha Tweet Bell, who was on the show uh, before, we would be in on AIM all day, right? Like, you know, chatting, we have the group chat, whatever. And I would experience these things throughout the day because it was constant. And at the time, we were, Kai and I were working at this agency that shall remain nameless because we don't like money. them. We don't like them. They ain't giving us no money, so they don't get no shout outs. They don't get but they're it. They're trash. Um, they and every and they were, and I can say they were because we haven't even been there in years. Yes. But our experience collectively was yes. trash. It, it was it was complete trash. And every day I would experience something, and I would jump up to AM. I'd be like, "Yo, these people ain't shit. They're fucking trash. They're garbage." And one day Nisha told me to shut the fuck up. I will never ever forget. That, <laughs> that message because it was shut the fuck up, period, right? And one of the things that we all need to be cognizant of as we are getting into a space of rage is to make sure that we are checking our ego and our pride. And so when people respond to us in a way that is jarring, your immediate response should be, well, why are you saying that? And so I said like, what? And she said, if you, if you don't have solutions, then why the fuck are you talking about it? You have options. You can actually quit. And that may sound like it's coming from a privileged, from a privileged place, but ultimately at the end of the day, again, to the point that we are all strategists, it is our, it is our job to identify the problem, to gather insights, and then create a solution. And if the solution is quit, then fuck it. You quit and you figure out what else, you're, what else it is that you're going to do. And so when we started this show, that that interaction with Nisha was part of, you know, my my motivation to make sure that we don't get on every episode and just basically say, all you motherfuckers ain't shit.
Right, because, because the con the answer isn't to sit here and say, "Oh my God, look at what's happening to me. This sucks," because it is going to suck. Like it, and this is like the thing that blows my mind all the time. Like y'all, the whole industry is like this. Just about every industry experiences every industry. all of the things that we talk about. This is not special. This is not new. What is special and what can be new is how we experience it and how we help each other not have to experience it. Yeah. And so if your only call to action is to just talk about the problem and blow it up and blow it up and walk away, I'm not saying don't blow shit up, but burn the whole goddamn thing down. down. But when you burn it down, but when you burn it down, you need to make sure that you are there with your broom and your dustpan to clean that shit up and rebuild it. Because if we don't rebuild it, the next problem you're gonna have is, damn, ain't no jobs for us. Damn, I don't have nowhere to work. Damn, or, or, or you'll be so far along in your own career that you've created for yourself by destroying things that you have also now left there no room for anyone else to come in. So if you're worried about pipelines, if you're worried about people's growth, but you're still shitting on this, the very things that we need for our livelihoods, you are just as bad as ineffective inclusion people. And you are even worse (laughs) than the shitty ass industry that we are trying to change. You literally, literally, literally can only be a part of the solution. If you are not, no matter what side of the conversation you're on, if you're not with us all who are in this, if you're not with us, you are against us. And blowing shit up and calling people out their names without actually having an alternative solution or suggestion or an alternative direction for us to go in, that ain't helping. You're just bitching. And if you're just bitching, we can't do anything with that. There's literally nothing we can do with that. Yeah. And, but and but continue, place. but con- except for continuing to be shocked and alarmed. All yes. you're doing is calling stress and anxiety. Stop yes. it. Yes. Stop it. And I, as I as I hit the screen, you know, there 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 is a place for for bitching and venting. And it is in your group chat, it is in your living room, it is in a bar, it is on a, it is on a stoop, and it is for your friends. I think, you know, um, we're wrapping up, but as you, as you think about your career in this industry, always remember that this is a collaborative space. No one wants to work with an asshole who only complains and critiques but never has solutions. And so as we are, as we are assessing this growing, uh, um, <laughs> incel group, if you will. Um, I think that is one of the things that people should be mindful of is when we see the critique, but we don't see the solution, all we see is a complainer. We do not see somebody who's an innovator. We do not see someone who is a problem solver. We do not see somebody who's in the strategist. We don't see somebody who, who is creative. We see somebody who specializes in tearing shit down, but not having the capabilities to, to build shit back up which is essential like we are in a business of creating and if you can't create solutions why the fuck are you here um get out and go make your money somewhere else i think that is you have options i mean america's <laughs> trash but there this this is a place where you ha- you have options you can you have options something. and you can create opportunities yes so with that let's go ahead and close out sim how we used to close out and let's show the people how it's done here are some solutions for creating solutions. I'll give two, you give two. Solutions to me look like um, if you don't, if if it's not, a, if, if you're feeling like you're not the one to fix it, then point people in the direction of the yes. people who need to fix it. Solutions to me also look like uh, examining the specific problem and calling out the specific problem. Generalizations don't help anybody. Yeah. What you That's- got? I mean, yeah, the generalization is is always the depth of a project or a campaign. Um, My solution would be that there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that you're complaining about has already been spoken about in some way, shape, or form. Go figure out what those insights are and build your critiques and your solutions off of that. And if that means that you need to go holla at the people that you're critiquing, 
then go do that. Um, the next uh, solution would be to create from a place of, of insight. I think without, or, or critique from a place of insight without that, and I mean those two go hand in hand, these two solutions go hand in hand, but without the insight, you sound dumb. And <laughs> I think that in a place where you want recognition, you don't want to sound like a dummy. So mm -hmm. don't be a dummy. Talk from a place of, of strategy and, um, and education and not from your own emotions because when, you're, when your emotions kick in, your intelligence goes down and that is not something that you want people thinking about when they say your name. 100%. And if you have it, if you if you have the opportunity to put money in people's pockets, get them jobs, or give them work yourself, do that. Stop expecting right. other people to be the only ones to do it. So with that being said, you guys, this is a mixed company. We are in Q4 of 2020, y'all. We are almost through this. Let's all pray, set intentions, burn sage, whatever the hell it is you do uh, to make sure that you, you manifest good times. Let's start manifesting a good 2021. 2020 was a huge joke and I'd like a do-over. Um, <laughs> and with that being said, you can catch us on all the social medias at Ask right. Mixed Company, um, or you can visit us at our website at mixedcompanypodcast.com or shoot us an email at askmixedcompany at gmail.com. Um, so with that, y'all peace out. Listen to us on all the streaming services and we will holla. Later, guys.